Welcome to the ABV Solutions Podcast, where we discuss some of the challenges facing our industry. I'm your host, Mike Murphy, speaking to you from Greenville, South Carolina. Today, we have Rick Hoadley, Principal Consulting Applications Engineer for ABB Low Voltage and Medium Voltage Drives. Rick is here to speak with us on active front-end technology in the mining industry. Welcome, Rick. Well, thank you for having me today. Yeah, it's great having you. Okay, active front-end technology, uh, AFE, I've seen that acronym before. So can you, again, go over what is active front-end and why would a facility be interested in this type of technology? Well, it all has to do with really power quality, principally the reduction of harmonics, and also improving power factor. And yeah, really everyone is concerned with uh, with harmonics, including mining facilities, oil and gas, even ice cream makers, which I really want to make sure they make a lot of ice cream. So how does an actrofrenin really help? Well, there's a number of different names that are used for this type of technology. Sometimes it's called active front end. Sometimes it's called a synchronous rectifier or an active rectifier or a ULH, which means an ultra low harmonic type of a rectifier. And actually, that's what we use in our low voltage ACS 800 and 880 drives. But when you think about the way a drive is, is designed, there's really three key pieces to it. There's the front end, which is the rectifier, and that's why this is called an active front end. That's the rectifier portion, and that takes the three-phase AC and converts that to DC. Then we have a DC filter that's in the middle, and that smooths out that voltage. So we have a smooth DC voltage, so it has a little bit of ripple on it, but it's sort of like a big battery almost, uh, like a battery in your car. And then we have the inverter section, which takes that DC and it changes to a variable frequency, variable voltage, three-phase power, which goes to the motor, and that's how we actually control the speed and the torque of that motor and the direction of that. Now, a typical diode bridge type of rectifier, which is not an active front end, uh, would be made up of uh, six diodes for three-phase. And with the six diodes, you actually get six pulses of current every cycle. And so these pulses of current is actually what supply power to the drive to maintain that DC bus voltage. If we didn't keep providing these pulses, the DC bus voltage would just uh, drop off fairly rapidly. So so we got pulses going into the uh, the drive, pulses of current. You can think of it like like power pulses. A 12-pulse type of a drive would have 12 diodes, and uh, you get 12 pulses per cycle. An 18-pulse, we'd have 18 pulses per cycle, and so on. This is very similar to actually a car engine. If you have a like a four-cylinder engine in your car, you actually get two power pulses per revolution of the crankshaft. All right, that's not too bad. Car engines always have a, a flywheel in them to help smooth out those torque pulsations. Otherwise, your engine would, would be kind of jerky feeling all the time. An eight-pulse or an eight-cylinder engine actually has in four power pulses uh, per revolution, and so it's a lot smoother running that way. And maybe that uh, Duesenberg V16 has 16 cylinders in there, and so you get eight power pulses per revolution, which is a a nice, real smooth running car. Well, this is the same type of thing with with these uh, rectifiers. We have these diodes, which provide these power pulses going into the drive uh, to be able to, uh, you know, have a fairly smooth running uh, type of a drive. And the more pulses you have, the smoother the DC is. And along with that, the less harmonics you would have on the AC line side. Now, diodes don't have any on-off control. And so uh, the pulses, uh, you can't really 
tell when the pulse will start or stop. It happens simply uh, based upon the uh, the voltage across that diode and uh, and inductance in the circuit and so on. But a, with an active front end, we don't just have diodes, we actually have IGBTs, which are, are transistors, which we can actually turn on and turn off. We can control when they turn on and control when they turn off. And so an active front end really is more like I would say closer to a 24 pulse rectifier, which has well 24 per cycle, 60 cycles a second is like uh, you know a little over 1,400 pulses per second, and so we have a lot of pulses coming in because we're turning these IGBTs on and off at a fairly high rate. We also have these turned on and off in such a way that we don't create low harmonics. We don't create fifth harmonics. We don't create third harmonics. We don't create seventh harmonics. And, and so those are not in the current waveform then when we use an active front end. A six pulse uh, bridge creates those harmonics. It creates fifth and seventh and 11th and 13th and so on. Uh, but an active front end doesn't create those harmonics. Because what we're doing is we're actually creating a, a sinusoidal voltage on the front end, just like the sinusoidal voltage which we are creating on the back end going out to that motor. So we have a nice smooth current going to that motor, a nice sinusoidal looking current. And that's what we're doing on the front end as well. And so uh, because of that, we can have very low harmonics. And uh, in fact, we're able to meet uh, like IEEE 519 standards of you know, less than 5% current distortion right at the input terminals to the drive. Now, it, part of the drive, uh, active front end, is also what's called an LCL filter, which means there's an inductor, a small capacitor, another inductor, and that helps uh, smooth out some things. But, uh, but with that, we have very low harmonics. If we were to actually have a, uh, like a 12 or 18 or 24 pulse type of rectifier, we would need to have a transformer to do that, to be able to shift, uh, phase shift the, uh, uh, the, the different phases there. And so with an active front end, you don't need a transformer. So that means the footprint can be a lot smaller. And there's a couple other things that uh, an active front end also does. One thing is with that, we can actually control and maintain the power factor over the entire load and speed range. And we set it up so it operates that unity power factor. So it's never leading, and we don't have it lagging to, uh, to, to pull down the power factor of your plant but we have it at unity power factor. And operating at unity power factor means a few different things. One, means that we're gonna be drawing less current than even the motor would if that motor were running across the line. Because at unity power factor, we've reduced the KVAR. The KW is really the same. And so if the KVAR is reduced to practically zero, that means the KVA is reduced, which means the current is reduced and the power factor is improved. So it's basically at unity power factor. What this also does, the transformer that's feeding this power frees up, uh, frees up the capacity for that transformer. So that can support additional loads. And then a lot of places in the US, the utility charges for low power factor. If your power factor is maybe less than 0.85, then uh, you, you get a penalty charge because of that. But with an active front end drive, you're not going to uh, see any penalties like that uh, by adding this drive to your facility, even if it's a big drive. 
And then uh, uh, a couple other points, too, is that if you're running on a genset, and a lot of facilities have gensets, like the mining, you need gensets. Suppose you're uh, using a drive for, say, the ventilation in the mine. You need the air moving, even if uh, power goes out elsewhere. So I have gensets uh, just for things like that. And for gensets, you really want to have very low current distortion, less than 5%, and very little, if any, leading power factor. Now, with a diode bridge type of rectifier for a drive, you have to actually oversize that genset about six times in order to accomplish that. The power factor is fine on a, on a diode bridge rectifier, but the current distortion is not. And so that's the reason why you'd have to oversize the genset, which gets expensive. But with an active front end, typically uh, all you need is, is maybe genset that's two times the, uh, the KW rating of the motor that you're, uh, you're using there. So it's a smaller genset, that's less expensive, got lower current, got unity power factor, and no leading power factor. And so, so a, a, an active front end drive is actually really nicely uh, configured for, for use with gensets. Some other things that uh, sometimes come along that uh, they help out with is unbalanced line conditions. I mean, nobody has perfectly balanced lines, right? Uh, you can usually figure there might be about maybe a 2% unbalance. But an active front end can operate really better with unbalanced line conditions than a multi-pulse, like even a 6-pulse or 12-pulse can. What happens with a diode bridge? When, uh, when you have a diode bridge rectifier and you have unbalanced lines, you'll start to see some third harmonics. And they're going to be there. You're going to see that when you take a look at the pulses. I mean, some pulses will be higher and other pulses will be lower than, uh, than some of the others. And because of that unevenness, that actually shows up as a third harmonic. And uh, with, with the active front end, you're not going to see that, even if the lines are unbalanced. And we'll basically be drawing about the, about the same amount of current from each line, even if there is an unbalance. Another thing that you sometimes run into are low line conditions. And... With the active front end, we're not based upon uh, operating with, with a certain voltage um, because we can actually boost the voltage that's coming into the, the drive. So if the, uh, if the voltage were to sag to, let's say, 80%, say a 20% sag. Now, if you have a 20% sag and you have a, a six-pulse drive, you're not going to have the same DC bus voltage, and that means you're not going to have the same voltage available to uh, to send out to your motor. So the motor is going to be starved for voltage, which means it's going to draw more current, which means it's going to run hotter. And uh, and, and so this it's just not a good thing for uh, for your motor under those conditions. But with an active front end, we're able to maintain that DC bus voltage even when the line voltage drops down to even 75% of nominal. Now we're gonna draw more current from the line because we, we still need the same amount of power coming in, but we're able to maintain that DC bus so that the motor doesn't see any change whatsoever in the voltage going to that motor. So it can still provide the same torque at the same speed with the same current going to that motor. And so it's sort of, um, sort of it's in a sense isolated from what's going on the AC line that way. Then one other thing that also uh, sometimes comes into play is a, is a power loss. What happens if you, you actually get an interruption? Well, 
this really has a little bit more to do with uh, what the inverter section of the drive can uh, can can do than, than the actual front end, but but they work in unison uh, with with one another. If there is a a power interruption, what will happen is we'll basically shut off the IGBTs, which are taking care of the amount of current coming into the drive and maintaining that DC bus. And instead, what we're going to do is we're going to use the the kinetic energy, which is in that rotating mechanical load that we have in that motor which is run which has, is connected to maybe a large fan a large inertia uh, fan or something like that we can use that inertia along with that motor which we can actually make act like a generator and we can maintain the dc bus voltage now the motor is going to slow down during this uh, period of time because we're, we're actually taking energy out of that rotating mass and using that to maintain the DC bus voltage. But we can uh, keep that going as long as we have uh, some inertia there we can draw from. So then when the line comes back on again, all we have to do is say, hey, great, line's back. We start uh, uh, modulating the, those uh, IGBTs. Uh, we bring the uh, DC bus um, back to its normal uh, voltage level, and then we can uh, then accelerate that motor back to where it was before. And so those are really the key things that's nice about an actual front end is how we can take care of the harmonics, how we can work well with gensets, and how we can, even with unbalanced or low-lying conditions, we can still provide the, uh, the voltage and the power that's needed for the motor. Okay, great. Yeah, that was a great uh, description of, of what active front end is. And, and I definitely understand why we use the term active. Also, I'm sure our customers like the less current draw as well. You know, that, that means less power consumption. So Rick, let me ask you this. In a mining facility, let's say they've got a downhill conveyor. Would a product like this still work in that application? Oh, well, yes, it certainly can. In fact, it's uh, it works extremely well for those applications. When you have a downhill conveyor, you have these rocks or coal or whatever it might be on this conveyor. It's heading downhill. And so the conveyor is going to want to speed up. And the only way you can control the speed is you have to apply some some braking torque with, with those motors or, or or on the on the shaft. Sometimes they have like disc brakes, just like like in your car, which uh, they might have to use to uh, to sort of slow things down. And if you don't slow things down, uh, the conveyor is simply going to go faster and faster. And the guys down at the bottom of that hill, they're they're going to they're going to scatter because all these rocks are coming a lot faster than they expected. So. What what can we do? How can we sort of uh, control that, uh, maybe electronically as opposed to mechanically with brakes? Well, if you had a diode bridge rectifier, the the motors can act like a generator, and we're going to try to draw power from that to slow down the uh, how, how fast the motor is spinning and slow down the conveyor. And as we draw that power from that rotating load, that power is going back into the uh, into the DC bus. And in the bus, we have these capacitors, which uh, smooth out that voltage. But if we have power coming in from the, uh, from the motor, the voltage on the capacitors is going to start to rise. And, and if it rises too high, and the, the capacitors will, will blow up. We certainly don't want that. So typically what we do is we connect what's called a braking chopper with a resistor across the DC bus. So that when the uh, voltage across that DC bus reaches a certain level, we start turning on that, uh, that resistor to bleed off that energy as coming from that, uh, that that downhill conveyor. And that way the motors act like a brake. 
it actually can uh, slow down and, and we can maintain control of the speed of those motors, even uh, with, with a downhill conveyor. But with a, a braking chopper and resistor, uh, all of that energy is just going out as heat. So, so that's re really a, a waste that way and, and just leads to, to warming the environment there. Now, if you're up in Canada and it's really cold, you might like that little extra heat. You know, put those resistors in the, your cabin or something like that. But what can we do with an active front end? The neat thing about an active front end is it can control power flow, not just from the utility lines or from the gen set to the motor, but we can also control power flow from the motor when it's acting like a generator back to the utility lines, which is ideal. So this way, we can actually control the amount of braking torque which that motor's providing on that downhill conveyor by taking that energy putting back on the utility power. And if you were to take a look at your uh, your kilowatt hour meter, uh, right at your drive, instead of, uh, you know, it's spinning in one direction saying I'm using energy, it'll actually spin backwards. That means you're putting energy back on the power lines and you're reducing your total energy usage that way. So if you got a conveyor that's always doing a downhill type of a thing, uh, you can actually recover energy that way. So that, that's great. It will reduce your electric bill. And again, it'll be operating at basically unity power factor, whether it's regenerating or whether it's motoring. So it's, it's a fantastic type of, a, of an application for this. Now, the drive is the same if it's an active front end, which does not have this regen capability or if it has the region capability and uh, it's really just a, a parameter setting and so so it's an optional feature and uh, so that can be set up uh, even in the field if, if necessary if you find out you've uh, you've put things together and you need some additional braking coasting to a rest is, isn't enough for maybe a hoist or something else uh, maybe a pump Maybe you want to stop things faster. And uh, and using this regen capability, you can stop things faster than it would if you simply let it coast to a stop. And so if you see that you need that, well, like like on an ID fan, sometimes it takes, you know, 30 minutes for an ID fan to stop. Well, maybe you don't want to wait around 30 minutes before you can do something. Well, if you have this regen feature enabled, you can stop that sooner and then get to work on it. Okay, great. Some of our pre recording questions, you mentioned that this is a voltage source inverter or VSI uh, type of drive. Rick, I've also heard of current source inverters. So can you quickly go over like what are some of the differences uh, between the two and would there be an advantage of using the VSI design? Well, that's a good question. When we talk about a VSI for a voltage source inverter, like you said, what that means is we have current pulses coming in to the front end through the rectifier. The filter in the middle is a capacitor, and that filter really smooths out the voltage, which those current pulses are putting into the capacitor to maintain that voltage there. And then on the output, what we're doing is we're switching that voltage of the capacitor onto the motor, and it looks like a voltage source, just like our, you know, if, if you plug the motor into the wall outlet, we have a voltage source there, and the amount of current that's drawn is based upon the load on that motor, but you have that voltage there all the time. Any type of filtering, and like uh, even for an active front end, we, we do put a small amount of filtering on the line side. It's, it's called an LCL filter, 
that means an inductor, a small capacitor, and an inductor. And, and that helps smooth out the current that's coming in so that, uh, again, we, we don't have any uh, low-frequency harmonics. It takes care of the, the higher switching frequency stuff, but, uh, but that's much higher frequency. A CSI drive, a current source inverter drive, is built differently in the sense that the filtering in the middle part of the drive, instead of having capacitors there for filtering out the voltage, is actually a large inductor and it smooths out the current that's flowing. So the current's gonna be flowing in a loop from the utility, through the rectifier, through the inductor, through the inverter section, out to the motor, and back uh, then through all of that to the uh, utility again. And so what we have going on there is uh, it, they're controlling the amount of current that's going to the motor all the time. Now, that smooths out the current in the filter and to help smooth out the voltage on the front end, they have some large capacitors on the front end filter on the line side. So, so they're like mirror images of each other. Where we have capacitors and a voltage source drive, we have inductors and a current source drive. And where we have inductors and a voltage source drive, they have capacitors on a current source drive. Now, current source drives have good harmonics. So there really is, isn't an issue with that. But one thing which does sometimes come into play and often does require additional engineering uh, when you're going to be putting a system together is the, uh, the input power factor. That can be an issue because of these larger capacitors they have on the line filter. There can be uh, times when operating, perhaps at low load, where you'll have leading power factor coming in. Now, maybe that's not going to be a problem with respect to the utility, but if you are operating on a gen set, that could be an issue for that gen set because uh, they alternators really don't like any leading power factor loading. They can handle a small amount, but a very small amount. The other thing that can occur is with a you know, significant amount of capacitance on the line side there, they can cause resonance with other filters that might be on the line or other filters or loads or other systems, uh, maybe uh, power factor crushing caps, which are maybe at, at a substation. And so for a system using a current source drive, like I said, an engineer really needs to sit down to know, okay, what am I going to be connected to? And I may have to do some modifications to be able to make sure that uh, we don't run into any of these issues with that. Now, with the active front end type of a drive, we don't have those issues. We don't have to do additional engineering. It's sort of like it's an ideal type of a load for utility. It's an ideal type of load for a gen set. And really don't have to worry about a possible resonance issue on, uh, on those things. That's really the, the, the key difference between those two. Okay, we're going to pause right here, but make sure you tune in to part two, where Rick and I continue our discussion on the ACS 2000 medium voltage drive and how the drive can save space, simplify installation, and also some of the embedded safety features. If you would like more information on the ACS 2000 active front end technology, reach out to your local sales representative. You can always go to www.abb.com. If you have any questions or uh, possible topics about our podcast solution series, uh, shoot us an email at us-solutions at abb.com. Thanks and have a great rest of your day.